Welcome to Podland. It's Thursday, December the 3rd, 2020. I'm James Cridland, the editor of Pod News here in sunny Australia. And I'm Sam Seth, the editor of Sam Talks Technology here in the not-so-sunny UK. And I'm Mark Asquith from Captivate, and I'll be on later to talk about private feeds. He will. Uh, Podland is a weekly podcast where Sam and I delve deeper into the week's most important news, which I cover daily at podnews.net. So here's what's coming up on this week's podcast. Wondry's new owner be Amazon. The Wall Street Journal and Engadget report that talks are ongoing, valuing Wondry at around 300 million. We're cautioned that it might all fall apart yet, both Apple and Sony looked into buying the company last month. James, what's this all about? Who is Wondery, first of all, and why are Amazon <laughs> sniffing around them? Yeah, Wondery is, somebody has said today, it's the last big independent podcast publisher. I'm not entirely convinced about that. But anyway, it's a big podcast company in the US. It does things like Dr. Death and, and other great podcasts. They've been for sale for a couple of months now. We reported earlier that both Apple and Sony looked at uh, buying the company. It does look as if Amazon may be getting there. $300 million is a lot of money, though. That's uh, more than Gimlet, which I think was $233 million. So a significant amount of cash. But if Amazon want to get into the content game, as well as the podcast game, then it looks as if Wonder is a pretty good move. They already do a lot of content creation, though, with Audible, which confuses a lot of podcasting customers of Amazon, because you've got Amazon Music, which hosts the podcasting for you and I and everyone else within it. And then they've got their content creation arm, because they produce unique content through audible yes it does appear they've they've got a weird strategy because amazon music podcasts is also only available in six countries so they're not really available everywhere which means that i can't promote pod news being in amazon music because for example here in australia we don't have amazon music podcasts so that to me is a bit weird if you're a international company you have Amazon Music available everywhere. Well, why on earth would you not make the podcasts available everywhere? So I don't really understand that. And I don't really understand why Amazon would be interested in buying Wondery, given that they've got all of the other content in Audible. But perhaps it makes sense because Amazon themselves don't make shows. Amazon get other companies to make shows. Would it make sense for them to do that in terms of buying Wondery? I don't know. They seem to have done a good job with Prime video in terms of producing unique content for their own platform i assume they're mirroring the model with podcasting yeah to an extent although amazon prime video is really interesting it is available everywhere on planet earth even if there isn't an amazon there you can still use amazon prime video you can actually sign up separately if you really want to so it's a confusing model from my point of view at least in trying to understand where Amazon is going in terms of all of this. So it'll be interesting just to see what their plans are, whether or not they do go ahead and buy. Apple and Sony sniffed around Wondery last month. Hernan Lopez is a great businessman, is a very good guy. He has his own legal issues at the moment, and it'll be interesting seeing whether Wondery have found their match with Amazon. Watch this space. Okay, in other news, Spotify has announced its most popular podcast in 2020. The Joe Rogan Experience took the top slot in spite of only being available on Spotify since September. Michelle Obama came in at number four, which is also a Spotify exclusive or a former oh, Spotify. Yes, it was one. Yes. Exactly, which is always fascinating to watch, isn't it? So Spotify announcing 
an interesting list there. Joe Rogan doing fantastically for them, even though, frankly, only being there for three and a half months. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next time. They also said that they have 1.9 million podcasts in Spotify right now. Now, if you look at Apple, that's only 1.7 million. So I'm curious as to what the extra 200,000 is. I have a suspicion that it's anchor shows, not very big anchor shows, but who knows, because it's quite difficult to actually get a full listing out of uh, Spotify. But yeah, Spotify certainly moving into this uh, world. It's... Yeah, this is purely marketing banter, isn't it, between the two companies? I'm bigger than you, you're bigger than me. I, I wonder why Apple is so hung up on that, because Apple isn't trying to monetize these podcasts through advertising. We fail to remember that Apple tried advertising on mobile many, many years ago, and it just crashed and burned, which is when they spun it around to, we're the privacy company. And I wonder why they even care about putting out statistics, because they're not going to try and get marketing dollars to follow them. Yeah, Apple don't tend to talk about their numbers very much. So the 1.7 million number that I was quoting was from my podcast reviews, which is a great uh, uh, website that has a bunch of stats about Apple podcasts. I think Apple podcasts mention their number every six months or so. I used to report it with great excitement every time they ended up doing that and then found that it's rather easier just to use the stats that Daniel J. Lewis puts together. But I think there will be an element of fighting between, or there should be certainly an element of fighting between Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify's the young gun. They've got things to prove. Apple is the old heritage podcast brand. And Apple thinks that it owns this space. They're owning less of this space as it goes on. And uh, I do worry somehow that Apple hasn't fallen asleep at the wheel. I guess they're walled gardens. We just talked about Amazon, maybe the third player coming into the walled garden. But was there anything in the list that came out? Because both Apple and Spotify announced their list. Was there anything that you noticed that was different or odd about them? Or were they just mirror images of each other? Both Apple and Spotify have announced those particular lists, as has Deezer, by the way, and everybody has ignored Deezer, <laughs> including you, yes. <laughs> but everybody is rushing to produce these charts. I think the big thing that I have noticed is there is a real obvious difference between an Apple podcast listener and a Spotify podcast listener. Spotify listeners are younger, they're a bit hipper, they like comedy more than they do news. There's a big difference from that point of view. Apple released what they called their shows of the year, which was one show per territory. And the show of the year from the US was from NPR. The show of the year from the UK was from the BBC. Show of the year from Australia was from the ABC. It's very public radio. And I think that's a big difference between the type of shows that have been highlighted by Apple and the type of shows that have been highlighted by Spotify. The other thing that I did notice, though, when I was getting the data, because we've published all of the best podcasts in the world from Apple Podcasts, on podnews.net this week. And one of the things that I asked was biggest new shows and biggest shows. What does biggest mean? Where does that come from? And Apple told me that it was derived from the Apple podcast charts. And then they said how it works. They've never said really? how the Apple podcast charts work before. Sorry, you've cracked the Apple. <laughs> so they said the Apple podcast charts encompass a mix of new subscriptions, playback activity, and completion rate. 
They've never said that before. And it's really interesting to see that completion rate is part of how the Apple podcast charts works, because that is probably the reason why we don't hear too much about people spiking the Apple podcast charts at the moment and buying their way in through some of these nefarious people who sit there at the end of LinkedIn messages and insist on buying their way into the chart. That doesn't seem to happen so much anymore. And that's probably why, because if playback activity and completion rate are included in the Apple podcast charts, then you can see that there's real opportunity there. They also said ratings and reviews aren't factored into these charts. And it's worthwhile just underlining that ratings and reviews aren't factored into Apple podcast charts. Um, so let's not bother asking for anything, shall we? <laughs> so let's not bother all that. I'm sure that we will at the end of this podcast. I've not seen Apple ever say how the charts are worked out. And hearing them just mention that just as a by the by alongside these uh, numbers, I thought was really interesting. Mm. Well, if you want to go and have a look, obviously go to podnews.net and go and have a look at all the charts and statistics that are available. Now, podcast advertising will be worth 3.5 billion globally by 2025. And that's according to a new study from Deer. The technology research company says that the global podcast advertising revenue is set to reach 1.4 billion by the end of this year. Now, James, what did you think of that? Is that an interesting report? Or is that just a bit of news that we could just bypass because it's so far in the future? 2025 is so far in the future. Will it be worth nearly $3.5 billion? Who knows? But I'm more interested at the $1.4 billion number because that's the first study I think I've seen that actually focuses on what the global podcast advertising revenue market is. So we already know, roughly speaking, that the US podcast advertising market is around $850 to $900,000. It's probably expected this year, even with COVID. So actually seeing that this company reckons that globally podcast avenue is worth 1.4 billion dollars it was quite interesting to see because that suggests that there's another 50 percent of money out there if you'd only stop focusing on the us and so seeing that number is i think interesting when we also bear in mind that of course the money that comes from podcasting isn't just from advertising revenue it's from all kinds of things as well patreon and uh, branded podcasts and everything else so podcast ad revenue over 1.4 billion dollars by the end of this year is i think quite an interesting news stat maybe <laughs> okay <laughs> This one piqued my interest. You wrote about this week a company called Elastic Pod. It's a new tool for making spoken content of your podcast fully searchable. It automatically produces transcripts and it has an embedded player. Now, transcripts are available all over the place. I use Descript. There are many places where transcripts are available. But making them searchable within the application for users and listeners, that would be really interesting. What did you think of Elastic Pod? Yeah, I think so. There's a bunch of these of these companies. There's a company called Podcast Transcribe, which was very keen in emailing me earlier on in the week saying that they've dropped their price until 2021. Transcribing your show will just be $2.21. I see what they did there. Uh, which, by the way, is a very cheap price. Elastic Pod, though, is interesting because of the searchable database. 
So if you are, I don't know, the Jordan Harbinger show, great show with long form interviews, does a really good job at that. What Elastic Pod could do for you is to put on your own website a full database of everything that you have ever said as Jordan Harbinger. And that's a great thing. And so anything that helps podcasts become more discoverable is a really good, is a really good uh, thing. Anything that would help my dog uh, to stop barking at this precise moment would also be a really good thing. But the good news is that she will stop barking in about two minutes. <laughs> so we'll ignore that and we'll carry on. One of the things that was interesting is it's part of the podcast 2.0 spec that they've been looking at discoverability. Transcriptions is one of the first things they've added as part of the first version release. And I know Buzzsprout's jumped on that already and it's one of the first companies to do so out of the new podcast 2.0 spec so it seems that transcription will be a common thing for all hosts yeah i think it will be and i think so what the new podcast tags through podcast index are doing is allowing you to have a little button that sits there on your podcast app and you press it and you can see a transcript of the podcast, not captions, they're different, but a transcript of the podcast. And if you listen to pod news, for example, on a, on a suitable app, then you'll see that transcripts button is already there. So podcast addict supports it. So those are really useful and helpful because it, it enables you to easily find a transcript of any show that you're listening to and the more podcast hosts that support that and the more podcast apps that support that would be a really good thing and then you've got some additional companies who are doing some interesting things over and above that around chapters but also around what i call augmentation visual augmentation which is adding pictures adding additional links, adding all kinds of things. There's a great company called Entail, E-N-T-A-L-E, here in the UK, or there in the UK, I should say, Sam. Which, You're missing um, home, aren't you, really? <laughs> it's hearing a British voice at the other end. And what Entail does, it's very clever, it's, uh, it's an app. It pulls out information from the podcast that you're listening to. It adds images, it adds links. What they did last year, I think, is they sponsored a makeup show, which is the perfect show for this sort of thing, where you can actually see pack shots of the makeup. You can click to buy stuff, and apparently it worked fantastically well as well. You've got Entail doing something like that. You've then got what Podcast Index is working on, which is a chapter tool which enables not just you to produce chapters and images and links and stuff but it also allows your your listeners to produce that sort of thing as well and you can see this running if you listen to adam curry's podcast no agenda then you will find a bunch of chapters which are chapters produced by listeners of that show which is really smart. You'll see them in the pod friend. And the idea of allowing your listeners to do that sort of thing is really interesting too. Yeah, there's lots and lots of movement, I think, in terms of transcriptions and augmentation in this way. So that's an interesting space. I'm going to certainly be playing with Entails this week, I think, trying to see what it does to my podcasts. Last story that I wanted to pick up was a company that you'd wrote about called Chartable. It's added a podcast-to-podcast -podcast advertising benchmark data. It shows more than 2,200 podcast promotions, and it updates daily. I have to say, I was confused by what you were trying to come across there, but when you told me about it, it was quite fascinating. So what are Chartable doing? 
Yeah, so Chartable is very clever. It's a podcast analytics service. So if you're not comfortable with the stats that you get from your own podcast host, maybe you use SoundCloud, stop using SoundCloud. Then you can also chuck Chartable at the front of that. And what Chartable gives you is IAB compliant data. But what Chartable also does is it does this for lots of other podcasts as well. So they've got this thing called Smart Promos, which if I was to put a promo to uh, say you should listen to the Pod News Daily podcast on this show, and we were to measure this show through Chartable, Chartable know who listens to this show, knows who listens to Pod News as well, and can then work out how many people listened to this particular episode who then went off to listen to pod news for the first time. So they actually have some really rich data in terms of how promos work for podcasts. And so they basically taken all of this data from more than 2,200 podcast promotions, shoved it all on their website. It's updated daily, apparently. And it just sits there and lets you know how those are working, what the best place, the best genre to advertise is, and all of that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, some really clever have an interesting uh, data there if you want your podcast to be listened to by more people brilliant again something worth going to have a play with okay it's december clearly the awards season nominations are now open for the golden crane podcast awards the awards will be given out by the asian american podcasters association and contain a number of awards for children's podcasts the uk had an awards this week it was the winners of the audio production awards that were announced the uk awards ceremony saw four awards for have you heard george's podcast and my question to you james is have you heard george's podcast do you know i've not heard george's podcast i'm told it's very very good it keeps on winning lots and lots and lots of awards so the audio production awards are run in the uk for all of audio so that includes a lot of radio as well the bbc has a rule and it may even be part of the bbc charter these days saying that they have to spend 25 percent of all of their money on external companies to make stuff for them and so the audio production awards is a reflection of that because 25% of the BBC's production money goes to other companies to make them radio shows and to make them podcasts. Uh, and Have You Heard George's Podcast is one of those independent podcasts produced for the BBC. So yeah, so interesting to actually see. It's not something that happens in many other countries. So it's nice to actually see the amount of different bits of audio which are being made for the UK. And then, of course, there's two weeks uh, left to enter the Ambies. Do you know what the Ambies are? Are they in, at the end of your wristies? <laughs> hey, I see what you did. Yes. No, no, because it's Ambies, not Andes. Anyway, it's the Podcast Academy's Awards. That was the thing that Hanan Lopez announced at Podcast Movement Evolutions before the incident in Los Angeles. And it should be a really interesting first step into that. The award ceremony is going to be early 2021 in LA somewhere. It'll cost you $175 to enter. Or if you are a member of the Podcast Academy, it'll cost you just $100. If you want to be a member of the Podcast Academy, it's $100 anyway. So actually, it's pretty cheap. If you're going to enter more than one category, it's worthwhile just joining the Podcast Academy. So it'll be interesting to see how many people enter that and what sort of awards we get out of that. I'm a member of the Podcast Academy. I'm not sure why, but I am. Are you, James? <laughs> I am a member of the Podcast Academy. I had high hopes. They've been quite quiet. 
I think, to be fair. And I know that Rob has been trying to do a fair amount of things. And I think it's just it, it's a slow start for an organization. I'm hoping that the Ambies are going to be a good award ceremony that the entire industry can be proud of. And I hope it's going to be the entire industry, not just the American industry, because the Americans get quite a lot anyway. It would be nice if this was a proper global awards. So let's wait and see. Before we move on to our guest of the week, if you haven't heard George's podcast and you want to hear an interview, a slight little plug, I did interview him this summer for the podcast festival I did. So you are welcome to go to Sam Talks Technology and you'll find my interview with George. But anyway, out with the plugs, on with the news. (laughs) Now, James. Now, one of the things I wanted to do in Podland is to spend a little time talking to those making the news in podcasting. And a little time, not a meandering three-hour interview. I leave that to people on Spotify. This week, though, I talked with Mark Asquith from Captivate. It's a podcast host based in the UK. I'm an advisor to the company, and Captivate has just launched private feeds. I began by asking Mark what the difference is between Captivate and other podcast hosts around this. The host, in, in my view, tend to do one of two things. They either want to keep podcasting really complicated because that seems to be how they sell through that worry of it being complex and being the saviors, or they want to be software companies and really experiment with being software as a service. And Captivate really doesn't want to do any of those two things. It wants to really just genuinely help the podcaster, really put the podcaster first. And in order to release any feature, we have to really look at what the podcaster needs. And when we looked at private feeds and we looked at what else was out there in the marketplace, we found that kind of what was happening was that you'd get podcast hosts that were really targeting the enterprise or the internal corporates or any manner of company-based podcasting. So that was V1, part one of, of private feeds. Then the other side of it was, okay, you as an independent can have private feeds, but we're going to really limit it and we're going to give it to the people that pay us a little bit more. And we're going to put the limits on the lower plans really down at the bottom so that you've got to upgrade really quickly. And it it, it felt a little bit disingenuous for us to do that and for anyone else to be doing that. I understand the business logic, but it never really fit in with with our mission of genuinely helping the podcaster. So when we released it and the reason why we released it was to really do what we do with everything, which is to give it to every podcaster so they can kick the tires, but not just kick the tires, actually drive the thing, use all of the features and actually build something that they can genuinely use every single day to a very reasonable scale without having to pay more. So the goal was really to just try and democratize private podcasting and fan-based podcasting and and internal podcasting a little bit, make it more accessible. Who is it for? This is really for anyone that wants to release special content to a special set of people that they value and that they want to communicate with on a very private basis. So that can be anyone from independent podcasters, which is, is a very large portion of the people that we want to help with this. Independent podcasters that want to give special content to their fans or to their advocates or to their patrons or people that you know want to just give them a little bit of revenue for private content. It's for internals, it's for companies, and in particular, One thing that I'm really interested in, we're a small business ourselves, we're a small tech company, and we want to make this available to the smaller businesses. The the people that, especially, and I don't want to wheel COVID out, but especially the people that have been really hit by the COVID and just really struggle to communicate remotely and really struggle to keep on top of things. So I'm talking the small businesses, the small accountancy firms, the small local businesses here in the UK, in the US, wherever, uh, the education establishments, people that really want to just 
be able to use this thing, like I said, to give special content to a special set of people to them. It would be very easy to pigeonhole this and just say it's for corporate, it's for fan based podcasting, but it's not. And that kind of approach, that special content for the special people that are around you. That's the approach that we've taken. So it's been interesting. There does appear to be an awful lot of people jumping on private feeds right now. Podfan launched last month, Castos in September, Omni Studio, Blueberry in May, Spreaker earlier in the year, Storyboard's a whole company around them. So what makes Captivate's approach a little bit different here? Again, really good question. And, and, and there's so many great companies there that have done it for varying reasons. I think the way that we've positioned Captivate to be different, we've been very conscientious about how we price this thing. So you, you'll know better than anyone where our pricing sits. And we, on the 17 bucks a month plan, which is our lowest plan, everyone gets private feeds. Everyone gets 150 subscribers, private subscribers. So we wanted to really give it to people, just give it to everyone, just let have everyone have this. If you're a podcaster, 150 private subscribers is an exceptionally good chunk of people that you can use and that you can get inside your podcast. So I think that's the big differentiation. How's Captivate itself fared though over the past year? I've not seen you at podcast movement, places like that, because I haven't been there either. Uh, how are you guys coping with the whole thing? Yeah, do you know, it's been an interesting year for that. I think the last conferences that we were at, obviously you and I were in, in LA for PME, Podcast Movement Evolutions, and then we were at PodFest and almost an emergency flight back to the UK. So for us, the events are such a big part of what we do, and it's been a very different year for that. And Captivate, I think, has, has been a very in an interesting place because we launched in August 2019. So when COVID hit, the product was only six, seven months old. So we've, I don't think we've seen the spikes that many other businesses have that are in this creator space, whether it's Zoom at the top end or whether other podcast hosts that we've seen grow. We've genuinely not seen any spikes. We've seen some real steady, solid, predicted and predictable growth, which has been, that was always the plan. We're a bootstrap business. We don't have any investment. Kieran and I started this thing. We built it with a lot of hours and, and, and a heck of a lot of input just from he and I. And then when we launched this and we brought the advisors on like yourself and Evo and Dan and Jordan and Chris, when we turned Captivate on, we had a very specific plan for the first full trading year, which was, of course, 2020. And that was to grow the team. It was to bring Rachel on, bring Pierre on, to bring some more devs on. We've just gone through another bit of a hiring spree. We've hired five more people just in the last month. And, and none of that has been affected by COVID. And I, I'm saying that not to say that it's not been affected negatively. I'm saying it because it's not been affected artificially. And I think that's really down to not offering free plans. We, we're a business that wanted and needed to make money from day one. And the reason we wanted to do that is so that we can, if a business is making money, you're not beholden to making rash decisions. So by virtue of number one, like I said, being a bootstrap business, making money from day one, we were able to make those very wise and specific decisions throughout this first year, the IAB certification, the private feeds, the announcement of Amy, the hires. So COVID, it's been weird insofar as we've had to onboard the entire team remotely. We've not done our usual marketing. We've not been at the events, which has been crazy. But thankfully, we've not seen any artificial spikes. We've not seen any drop-offs. And what's fascinating to me is that our goal is always to keep people podcasting anyway, which is why we do the deep dives. We've got the academy. And I think because of that, the people that may have jumped onto a free podcast host, released a couple of episodes and then burnt and, and, and churned off and not really used it. Thankfully, we haven't really seen that because we're a paid podcast host 
and our job is just to keep people podcasting. So it, it has been a very bizarre year, but from a business perspective, thankfully, it's been very predictable. What's, what's next for uh, Captivate then? You've, you mentioned Amy, is she a friend of yours? Or what's this Amy that you talk about? Come back to me in a month on that. I'll tell you whether Amy's a friend or not. It depends how grey I go when we're, when we're doing the work. So the next, the next six months in particular is all about onboarding the new staff members and really bringing out what we're calling phase two. We've got a three-phase plan for Captivate's product roadmap, uh, and we wrapped phase one of it at about October uh, this year, which was good. So uh, we've got our new senior developer, Graham. He started this week. We've got our digital marketing manager. We've got our head of design. We've got a couple more support staff that are starting. Version two of private feeds. Uh, we've got some analytics upgrades. And then, of course, the big one, which is AMI, uh, A-M-I-E, which stands for Audio Mastering and Integration Engine. So essentially, this this is our proprietary dynamic ad insertion tech, the stitching tech that we've built. But it also does another couple of things insofar as audio mastering, some proprietary audio kind of production tech that will allow for just every independent podcaster to benefit from um, having their audio process to a high standard. Again, this is democratizing dynamic ad insertion. If you look at the press release over on the Captivate site, it's very clear that we're approaching this not just from a dynamic ad perspective, but from a dynamic content perspective, insofar as making promotional and marketing tech available to every single podcaster, not just the people that want to pay for dynamic ads. So I'm, I'm really excited for that, really excited for that. We're in a very early stage with that when it comes to the testing. So we're looking to obviously move into a, a bit more of an open beta in the new year, get some of our uh, our podcasters using it, and obviously get you guys, the advisors, using it. But the first three to six months is it's fascinating to me. And then I think beyond that, 2021 is very much about doing things that no one else is thinking of. It's doing always with that barometer, always with that kind of true north of being the world's only growth oriented podcast host. We can finally start to prove to people what that really means and really bring that out into the open. It's going to be an exciting year, man, but I, th I just think I'll be a little bit greyer by the end of it. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for uh, joining me. Thank you for hosting Podland as well. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, James. That was a great interview and I learned a lot about private feeds. Now, James, it's a busy month for you as always. What's coming up in Podland this month for you? In Podland, I will be in Paris virtually, sadly, at Linov Audio on Tuesday. I'm doing a keynote about digital audio and international vision, which should be very exciting. And in it, I'm being slightly rude about the sponsor of the event, which is the ACPM, because I'm suggesting that it's not that helpful for the French podcast industry to have not just one, but two different ways of measuring podcasts that nobody else in the world uses. So we'll see. That is that so French. Down. That is just <laughs> French. <laughs> it definitely is. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes down. Also on Tuesday, I'm speaking at a radio player event. A radio player is an app in many different countries, which allows you to listen to the radio and to podcasts as well. And I'm talking about audio in cars. Anyway, if you want tickets to Linov Audio, I believe you can still get them. They'll be in the show notes and it's also innovaudioparis.fr. And if you want to see the radio player event, then all you have to do is get a job with one of the radio player companies across the world. You've got until Tuesday to do that. Good luck. What about you, Sam? Well, I'll be presenting later on today at the Asian Podcast Festival, which is quite interesting. Wayne's put that together. He's got an interesting global audience attending it. And he says 
there'll be 13,000 people attending. So hello to wow. all 13,000 of you. I'll see you later. And this weekend, <laughs> just because I'm not busy enough, I'm putting a radio studio together for a new radio station I'm working on. Well, as you do. Maybe we'll find out about that new radio station once it's live and once it makes Indeed. sense to talk about it. Yes, we will uh, keep it under wraps till then. Yes, and that's it for this week. If you've enjoyed your first trip to Podland, don't make it your last. You can subscribe on all the major podcast players. We're even in Google Podcasts now. Hooray! Thank you, Lisa, for that. Or visit our website at podland.news. And you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, but much more helpful is to tell your friends about us. Share us on the socials. That's the way that people will discover us. If you want daily news, you should get Pod News. It's free at podnews.net or ask your smart speaker to play the news from Pod News Podcasting News. You'll also find all of the links there for all of the stories we've mentioned this week. And if you want to hear more about what I'm up to, please visit soundtalks.technology. I'm interviewing Gerald Ratner about his new book, The Rise and Fall. That'll be an interesting podcast. That sounds crap. That's a good joke there. I hope you appreciate that joke. Thanks very much. I did. <laughs> uh, music for Podland is from Ignite Jingles. I used cleanfeed.net to interview Mark Asquith. Podland was edited by Sam Sethi and hosted on Captivate. And we'll see you on Podland next week. So keep listening.